Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. Today, I'd like to welcome Joshua Grimes, an attorney specializing in meetings and events. And we are going to talk about a topic that I have been writing about and that he has commented on on social media about controversial legislation on the state level and its implications for meeting professionals. And I look forward to um, discussing this important topic. The first thing I'm advising clients is to acknowledge that the issues exist. There is a tendency to paint issues as politics that a group can choose to ignore because they don't want to get involved in politics. I see this as different because, and like others, as a lawyer, I'm not taking a position on how someone feels on pieces of legislation or whether they feel that some states are hostile to African-Americans or undocumented people. But the fact is, is that the legal changes that have been implemented will impact meetings and impact attendees. And I think whether you agree with the legal changes or not, that's what people need to focus on. So, for instance, if you have a meeting in a state that has said that a trans person or any person must use the restroom of the gender that they were born into, that means that your trans attendees will have to maybe use a restroom that's different from the one they're used to. And that also impacts other attendees. If someone looks like a male, but now they were born a woman and now has to use the restroom with all the other women at the conference, that may have an impact on all your attendees. Forget about politics. Right. Similarly, if you have attendees who are pregnant, they may not have the same access to prenatal health care that they once did in a particular state. And if someone has a health emergency, their access to care could be materially impacted. The same as someone who might need health care because they're trans. So those are impacts. The bathroom laws in some states are criminal offenses if you violate them. So someone could be arrested for using the wrong bathroom, an attendee. One other example is it can be criminal in some states to aid or abet someone who is an undocumented immigrant. So you could unknowingly hire someone who's in do- undocumented for your meeting and you, and you managing the meeting could be subject to arrest. So these are all new laws that we're dealing with, but I think regardless of how you feel about the, quote, politics, unquote, they could have material impacts on your meeting and, frankly, the welfare of your attendees. Right. So what would you advise a client who has an upcoming conference in Florida, for example? Well, first, I... Take a deep dive and understand what the laws are. Understand what they cover, what they don't cover, and make an initial determination that you believe your group can meet 
successfully with those laws in place, uh, maybe with some workarounds in place. So that's the first thing. If you're doing a meeting where you believe right now is some African-American groups do, that their attendees wouldn't feel comfortable in a state like Florida now, if that's what you decide for your attendees, maybe you should meet somewhere else. The other thing is there might be workarounds to these laws. Now, the laws are what the laws are, but maybe, for instance, with the bathroom issue, are you able to implement gender-neutral restrooms? So the family restrooms at many facilities, can you make those available for people who want to use those so they don't have to go into one gender or the other gender's restroom? That may be a good workaround. Your organization could still have a policy against people being vigilantes and going to the authorities over these sorts of things. So you could say that our organization does not discriminate against trans people or gay people or any other type of person. And even if you think the law allows you to call the police on someone because they're using the wrong restroom, if you do that, that violates our group's code of conduct and our group will sanction you that's a possibility that's a little complicated, but you could do that as well. So those are some examples of things that I've been advising clients to look into. But at the end of the day, if you're just not comfortable with someplace, you need to figure out how whether you can meet there successfully. Right. And a while ago, I had written about ASAE had a sample clause that said basically if the destination enacted a law that your group deemed discriminatory in any way or against the mission of your organization that you could cancel without penalty. Is that happening? Well, any group can ask for any contract clause. I personally felt that contract clause was pretty loose in the way an attorney representing a hotel might say you could drive a truck through it because it was so vague. What I had preferred and what I've suggested to clients is a clause that's sort of along the same lines, but requires an issue to be of such magnitude that the group could demonstrate that a threshold number, maybe 30% of attendees have indicated that they're not going to attend a meeting because of that issue. And then if it rises to that level, there should be discussions and maybe give the locale, the CVB, an opportunity to respond to these issues right to the attendees. And then if it continues to be an issue, maybe either the group can reschedule, cancel, or there could be other remedies. But I do think that the ASAE clause is a framework that's a start of a conversation. Now, if you're meeting in a second tier destination at an unattractive time of year, you're more likely to get it than you will at a first tier destination. So for instance, if you want to meet in Miami in October or February or March, you're probably less likely to get it than if you meet in Baltimore in August right. or in January. Right. And do you see or have you seen any groups 
able to demonstrate that 30% or whatever they had in their contract would not attend? Yes, I've had that happen. Now, have I seen it since the pandemic? No. And hotels, as you may know, and venues have significantly tightened their contracts since then. So because I was successfully able to work with a client before the pandemic to have the clause put in a contract doesn't mean that I would be tomorrow. But yes, it has been invoked. But as I say, the challenge is not just the clause, but now we've got this mushrooming group of social issues out there. I think the important thing is to make sure that there's some definitiveness and it's not just subjective on the group to say, we're uncomfortable, so we're leaving. Right. If you're meeting in a destination that has uh, passed a number of laws that would be restrictive on voting rights, on gay rights, on trans rights, venue in those areas would be reticent to just allow a group to cancel without some definitive parameters on what would rise to the level of cancellation. And that's where I think a successful clause in a contract should have definitive parameters so it's not just up to the group's discretion to cancel. Right. And so that would require them surveying their participants or would-be participants to see whether they intended to come or not, right? And then presenting the results? Yes. When I've seen this comes up, usually the participants have proactively contacted the event or the meeting organizers. I would argue that if you're a meeting planner for an association and you poll your possible attendees about whether an issue bothers them, that's like fishing for a problem. Yeah. I think it has to organically come from the attendees. And most groups that have these clauses, the attendees aren't shy about making their feelings known. Back to duty of care. Do you feel that there is a duty of care issue with the six-week abortion ban? Is that a concern in terms of duty of care? I believe it is. Because your duty of care as an organization is to act reasonably in the context of the responsibility you have as a professional, assuming you're a professional organization, and you have meeting professionals on staff to plan a meeting. And if the access to health care has been materially impacted a segment of your attendees, I would recommend that the group put an advisory in their registration materials and say that there are laws in Florida or laws in Oklahoma or whatever the state is that may restrict access to prenatal health care or trans health care. By attending this meeting, you agree that you understand the risks and maybe even agree to assume the risks and have the person agree to that before they sign off to register for the meeting. And what about in the case of the NAACP and LGBTQ organizations saying, for example, you're not welcome, potentially not safe going Mm -hmm. to this destination. Where is the duty of care in that scenario? Well, I think again, the duty is for a professional meeting planner to investigate and inform attendees of the risks. It's really a matter of keeping attendees informed of what the risks would be. Because of these rash of issues, some admit that there are states they're just not considering 
because the legal concerns are dicey issues for their group. Is are you seeing that as well? Yeah, and that's happening. I read today that a particular group has canceled. And it's interesting because I always think as a lawyer, how did they cancel? Because with most contracts, if you cancel, you're going to pay cancellation damages. And that may be what's happened. Let's face it, many people in this industry aren't represented by attorneys or have other advisors who think about these things. And certainly with a few exceptions, the meeting industry associations and certainly the hotels and other suppliers do not encourage anybody to think about these issues. And that statement, frankly, still exists even today with what's going on. Yeah. We've written in the past about event cancellation insurance. Yes. Would that cover in some instances a situation regarding legislation? I doubt it. Because it's not objective enough a thing for insurance. Insurance, as you may know, is difficult enough to get after COVID. I would be pleasantly surprised if you could get event insurance to cover a cancellation for a legal change. Now, let me say this. Depending on the group, it's possible that you could use government regulation as a reason to try and cancel under a force majeure clause. But that would only really come into play, in my opinion, if the group is really dedicated to a certain issue that has now become illegal or virtually impossible to discuss in the context of a meeting. I don't think we're there, but it's possible. And in that case, a group would get its money back. Right. So like a group of OBGYN doctors could make an argument for canceling a meeting in a state that has a six-week abortion law and would not provide prenatal care to a woman. You could make that argument. I don't think a hotel or a venue would accept it. Right. Frankly, I represented medical groups, in one case, epidemiologists who were dealing with diseases who tried to cancel a meeting in April 2020 because they were required in their emergency rooms at their hospitals for COVID and couldn't travel. And the hotels, each, every one of them denied that it was a reason for force majeure. Wow. And that was under the old contracts. I cannot envision a scenario now, although I'd like to be surprised, pleasantly surprised. I can't envision a scenario where without a specific clause in a contract, a hotel or a venue would agree to let a group out because of one of these new laws. And I think that's unfortunate, but this is the world we live in. And again, the meeting industry environment is such that we are not having what I would consider a free and open, candid conversation about these issues, which does not encourage suppliers to work with planners under the current legal circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what would you like to see happen? What would help come to easier working relationships in these cases? Well, I think there needs to be dialogue. The laws are what the laws are. To me, they're no different than any other laws. You can't drive more than 35 miles an hour in some zones. That's the law. Or you can bring a firearm into a convention center or hotel in some states. In some states, you can't. But To me, it's how do you work with it? So for instance, 
And this is where I have to say this is not legal advice. I'm discussing ideas. So if I want to have a meeting and I'm concerned that someone looking to cause a problem might come into my meeting, stand in the back, and then go to the police and say they were discussing a civil rights issue in a state where talking about that subject that makes people uncomfortable is unlawful or can subject you to private lawsuit. You could have someone who goes to the meeting just for the purpose of raising that legal issue or someone who goes to the meeting so they can stand in the restroom and see who comes in so they can cause a problem. I would contact my hotels and my my venues and I would say, what measures can we take to make sure that outsiders who don't have proper credentials aren't going to get into areas where my meeting attendees are going to be? So that lessens the risk to my attendees. And I would hope you could do that without a lot of additional cost to the group. Or can we ensure that if our group is a liberal-leaning group, whatever that means, can we ensure that a very conservative group, maybe maybe even an an ultra-nationalist, white nationalist group, is not going to be meeting in the room next door? Right. I wouldn't have thought two years ago I would even have to raise that issue. But now, because some hotels are hosting right-wing white nationalist groups, we do have to ask these questions. And groups should be able to have these conversations with their venues, and the venues hopefully would make reasonable accommodations. But it's all about acknowledging that these issues exist. And I'm not sure that that's happening right now. I think that some destinations have attempted to minimize it by calling it politics, which I think is a disservice. Um, Nobody has called for a boycott of any destination, but in order to minimize the conversation, people say, oh, they want to boycott Florida or boycott Texas. Nobody said that. Right. They've issued advisories, venues and suppliers and DMOs. Mm -hmm. They don't want to touch this. I've been a member of MPI for 25 years. I'm speaking at WEC next week. I've spoken for well over 100 MPI chapter sessions in my career, probably close to 200. But I don't hear a lot coming out of MPI on this subject. I don't hear a lot from PCMA on this subject. And I think they're not doing their members a great service. Right. Because it is something that people want to talk about. They need to talk about. It's, It's important. And, and I think it benefits everybody to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? They're going to do what they're going to do. I think eventually they will talk about it. I hope it's the right people participating. I'm happy to be a resource with this sort of thing. Thanks for listening to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. Be sure to rate and review us and subscribe. Check back for new episodes soon.